All right. Well, I want to welcome everyone, whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're watching online. Honored to have you with us today. Also want to take a moment, as I do every single week, and look into the camera and say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry. And uh, I love doing this because you're a part of our family. We believe in you. We're so honored to have you a part of our church. And I'm believing that God's going to speak to you in a real and powerful way today. So come on, D-Town. Have me welcome our church family today. It's awesome. Well, today we are in week number three of our series called God First. Now, this is a, a vision series we're doing throughout the month of September where we're talking about what does it mean to be a part of Experience Church? Why do we do some of the things that we do? What's God's plan and what's God's purpose, not only for his church, but also for us in our own individual lives as well? And as we talk about vision, kind of our theme scripture for this entire series is probably the most popular verse in the entire Bible when it comes to vision. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Let's take a look at it together and we're gonna dive right in because we've got a lot of ground to cover too. Day. And so it starts off by saying, if people can't see what God is doing, pause there. If people can't see what God is doing, if we're not clear where we're at on this spiritual journey, like if we don't know what God's next step is for us, if we don't know what God has for us, if we can't see what God is doing, the Bible says they stumble all over themselves. And for some of us, this might be describing our lives. Like our finances are stumbling, our relationships are stumbling, our emotions are all over the place. And I would suggest to us that those are symptoms, but they're actually not the root cause. And too often we have this tendency to try and address the symptom thinking that if I can just get a new job or a better boss or that promotion, that that's going to fix something. Or, or if my emotions are all over the place, maybe if I just took a vacation and took a breath and I can get my emotions back in, in check, or if I could just fix this relationship, that that's going to do it. Now, don't get me wrong. When we address the symptom, there is temporary relief, but how many of us know it doesn't last? Like if we pull the, the top of a, of a weed off in the grass, but we don't get the root of it, how many of us know it's going to look good for a little while, but eventually that thing's just going to grow back. And that happens time and time again in our own lives when we just address the symptom and we never take care of the root. I would suggest to us what we really need to do is have our eyes fixed on something else that we could see what God is doing. Because if we can't see what God is doing, what ends up happening is we chase after this, or we grab after that, or we chase after that, and, and we end up going all over the place, missing what God has for us. But the Bible says, if we can see what God is doing, and if we'll attend to what he reveals, like if I could just see what God has for my life, if we could just understand this spiritual journey, which by the way, we're outlining in this series, our mission of the church and the methods that we have for us to experience this God first life. When we attend to what God reveals, what's the Bible say? We are the most blessed. Now it's important for us to know that that word blessed doesn't mean that we're gonna get a bunch of material things, but instead that word blessed means that we'll have contentment in our souls. Like the void in our hearts will be filled and there will be this sense of fulfillment in our lives. 
And here's why this is so important. Here's why we're talking about it this entire month is because too many Christians are settling for much less. And I just want to remind us, Jesus came and paid the highest price that he could pay. He gave up his life, died on a cross so that we couldn't, not so we could settle and live a life of, of scarcity and lack, but how many of us know Jesus came and died on the cross, gave up his life so we could experience the abundant life that he came to give to us. Are you with me, second service? And I'm just saying God has more for us today. God has more that he wants to do in our lives. And so the question is, how do we experience it? How, how, how do we do this? Well, first we have to understand what's this spiritual journey? What, 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 is, what is this path of life the Bible talks about or this way of life? Well, King David talked about it in Psalms 16, verse 11. Let's take a look at it. David said, God, you will show me the way of life or the path of life these steps that we need to take, granting me the joy of your presence, which by the way, this is a good indicator that we're on the right track, that if our lives have joy, like our, that life is fun. And by the way, we'll have the most fun in our lives by not staying where we are. How many of us know that God never intended for us to stay where we start? And some of us have been in the same place with our relationship with God for far too long. Now, I don't want to step on all of our toes today, but I do want to catch our pinky toe just a little bit because I want to challenge us. Because some of us, man, we've been in this, the same place that we were with Jesus two years ago. We're in that same place. And I'm just challenging us and declaring to us today, God has more. Come on, there's more that God has. There's more to this life than just coming to a, a religious service. That there's more to this life than just going through the motions. And I'm just saying, man, if we're just going to go through the, through the motions, let's go do something else. But if we want all that God has for us, if we want to experience this abundant life, then, man, let's go all in, right? We go to Chipotle. Anybody like going to Chipotle? And you get to the end of the, the line, and what do they ask, ask you? You want to walk with that? And you know what I tell them every time? Is it school bus yellow? You think I waited this whole time not to get, get guac? Absolutely, give me the guac. I, I want everything, Chipotle worker guy, that you got back there. You got guac, put it on there. You got sour cream, put it on there. I didn't wait in line this whole time not to get it. And I didn't come to church just to get a little bit of what God had for me. Come on, I want it all. Give me the guac, give me everything that you got. I want it all. Oh, there you are, there you are, second service. But not only in this passage of scripture, not only do our lives have joy, which who besides me could use a little more joy in their life? I want more joy. But not only do our lives have joy, but our lives are also filled with the pleasures of living with God forever. All of a sudden, there's this relationship where we know the creator of the universe. And how many of us know the more we know the creator, the more we understand why he created us? And so what is the path of life? It's a great question, church. Well, I just want to remind us, our mission here at Experience Church is to help us to live out the abundant life that God has for us. And so our mission here at Experience Church, just to remind us, is that we exist to connect people to a God-first life. Notice our mission is not to get people to come to church. Talk to me. I, now, I think if God's first in our life, being in his house is a priority to us. But the goal isn't to get everybody into church. The goal is, well, God, you're first. 
You're first in my heart. You're first in my life. You're first in my relationships. You're first in my, my finances. You are first. But at the same time, if you're anything like me, that can seem like a daunting goal. Like, like I, feel, I feel like I'm so far. I, I kind of thought I was doing good coming to church today, Pastor, and then you just, just yelled at me for, for coming to church. <laughs> so now I'm even more confused right? Anybody else besides me feel like, man, I'm just so far from living a God first life. Like I love God. I want to know God, but having him first in every area of my life, that just seems so, so distant from where I, how do I get there? Well, I'm glad you asked because we have four methods to help us live out a God first life. And they are just to remind us first to know God. And how many of us know when we say know God, I'm not talking about knowing God with our heads. I'm talking about knowing God in our hearts. How many of us know that God wants more than just our religion? He wants a relationship. So we're going this journey of really knowing God. Like, no, I know God. I've encountered his presence. I know God is real. God speaks to me. I have a relationship with him. If we, don't, if we can't say that, man, that's our, next, that's our step that we need to take. But then the next step we can take in this journey or path of life, which, by the way, we can't take the next step until we first do the previous one. It's impossible. So they all build on each other. And so once we know God... Then we have the power to take our next step, which is to find freedom. We say freedom right here. In other words, it's that thing in our lives that if it wasn't there, our lives would be better. It's that habit. It's that addiction. It might be that shame from something we did years ago. And this is so important because we can't see the future until we first settle the past. So we need to find freedom. And this happens in community with other believers, How many of the Bible says iron sharpens iron? So one man sharpens another. How many we need each other? Freedom happens in the context of relationships. Freedom happens in community with other believers. And then once we've done that, now we can move on to the third step, which is discovering our purpose. I think a lot of people in life are looking for purpose, but too often we're either looking for purpose in the wrong places or we've never dealt with our past so we can't step into our purpose. But once we discover our purpose, man, this is when we start to understand what life is really all about. Then we can move on to the fourth step, which is to make a difference. And so next week, we're going to really dive deeper into making a difference. But today, I want to dive deeper into that third step, which is discovering our purpose. It reminds me of of a quote of something Mark Twain said that really... Uh, is, is close to my heart. He, he made this statement. He said that the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. And such a powerful statement. And it actually, it kind of reminds me of the popular phrase that, that we use today, or at least it's what the kids are saying nowadays. And that is, I was today years old when? How many of us have heard this phrase? I was today years old when and if you're not familiar with this phrase it's basically saying i learned something new today i discovered something new i was today years old when and i brought some examples for us to have a little fun with because we're in church and we like to laugh a little bit of what i'm talking about so a couple examples uh number one i was today years old when i found out the bottom of a gatorade frost bottle is made to hold the cap this whole time How many of us were today years old when we discovered this? Anybody besides me? This whole time, that's what it was for? Number two, I was today years old when I noticed the last two letters in IHOP make a smiley face. 
the whole I never saw the nose or the eyes, and now I can't not see it. In fact, I, I can see it everywhere, man. It's just, how many of us were today years old when we found out there's a smiley face in IHOP? Anybody besides me? Number three, I was today years old when I found out the phrase is open says me, not open sesame. <laughs> this whole time. Who else? Who else? I was today years old to discover I'm not the only idiot in the room. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Number four, I was today years old when I noticed the Amazon logo points from A to Z to indicate that they sell everything from A. I thought it was like a smiley face, but it was a weird looking face or something. I didn't whole. How many of us were today years old when we discovered this, right? Number five. I was today years old when I realized that the numbers on a toaster are minutes and not levels. For 44 years. I tell my kids, no, level five, bro. Got turned to level five. The things get hotter. This, how many of us, I was today years old when I discovered they were minutes, not levels. Holy cow. We are a mess, people. Number six, I was today years old when I learned an iPhone user can text another iPhone user the words pew pew, and it will send lasers with sound effects. Don't you, don't you try it during church. This is a test. This is only a test. First service, phones started going off in the middle. Lasers were going everywhere. How many of us were today years old when we discovered you can send a little pew pew here and there? So good. Now let's bring it back spiritually. There was a purpose to this whole thing along with having some fun. If you're taking notes today, let me speak this over us. I was today years old when I found out that God created me on purpose and for a purpose. Amen. This is our goal, that all of us would be able to say this, that I was today years old when I found out that God created me on purpose and for a purpose. And this is such a big deal because according to some studies, 87% of Christians still don't know what their purpose is. And I think one of the reasons uh, why that's the case, and so in fact, that's why we're going to be talking about discovering our purpose today. And I think one of the reasons we can struggle with discovering our purpose is uh, according to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Let's take a look at it. It's because too many of us are copying the behavior and the customs of this world. But, we're looking for purpose. We're just looking for purpose in the wrong places. We think I'll find purpose in this or I'll find purpose in that. And we're looking for, someone once said love, but I'll, I'll throw purpose. We're looking for purpose in all the wrong places. Goes on, Paul says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. This is so important for God to change our thinking that we would realize that thing's never gonna give me what I'm looking for. That relationship can be fruitful, can be beautiful, but that person was never meant to meet the deepest needs in my soul and in my heart. 
They better be a helper, a partner, a teammate in this journey to live out God's plan for my life, but they were never meant to fulfill the void in my heart. Only Jesus can. I gotta realize that thing's never gonna give me what I'm looking for. No, it's only found in Jesus and Jesus alone. I gotta, I gotta change the way I think that God created me on purpose and for a purpose. And my purpose is found in him. Then, Paul says, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Perfect. His perfect will. Then we'll be able to say, man, I know what I was made for. I know God created me on purpose for purpose. And so as we talk about discovering our purpose today, let me just first give us three enemies of our purpose. Three things that get in the way of our purpose. If you take a notice, the first enemy of purpose is this, is confusion. In other words, we just don't know what our purpose is. You ever ask God that question? God, what do you want me to do? What's my purpose? Why am I here on the earth? What, do I do this, God, or do you want me to do that? Do I, do I go to Bible college and become a pastor, or do I go this? God, what do you want me to do? Anybody ever been confused about their purpose? I'm just not sure, God, what you want me to do. I'm, just, I'm saying too many Christians are confused about their purpose and God's plan for their life. And, he, and this has been going on since the beginning of time. In fact, even the apostle Paul prayed this. He wrote a letter to the church of Ephesus, which is the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, part of the Bible. And in this, he writes a prayer for the church. He says to not be confused about their calling. He asked that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened and they would know the hope to which they were called. I'm praying that for us today, that the eyes of our hearts would be opened and we would know the hope to which God has called us. The second enemy of purpose is we don't see our purpose because we're too busy focusing on everybody else's. This is by comp comparison. Comparison is an enemy of our purpose. We look at other people's lives and we want what they have. We want their house. We want their marriage. We want their job. We want their kids. We want their money. We want their dog. They can keep the cat, but we want their dog. Come on. Dogs are going to heaven. Cats are going to hell. I said it. There I said it. Now you know. It's out in the open. How many of us know social media has not helped with this at all? And let me, just, let me just remind us today that we will always be miserable if we continue to compare our life and our purpose with somebody else. The truth is I'm never gonna be them and they're never gonna be me. And the more I continue to compare myself with them, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be focused on their purpose and their calling and their gifts and I'm gonna miss out on mine. Even as a pastor, I can look at other successful pastors throughout our country, but the truth is I'm never gonna be them and they're never gonna be me. And they're not called to Defiance, Ohio. I'm called to Defiance, Ohio. I'm called to pastor this church. And so I, I can't try to be them. I just need to be, be me. But the third enemy, and I think it's one of the biggest reasons why people aren't discovering their purpose, and that is because we're going after a counterfeit version. We're going after a counterfeit version of the real. It's the equate version of the real thing. And if you tried to buy that cereal, that Malto Mill cereal, Mom, dad, you can try and convince me that it tastes the same. It does not. It's cardboard. It's not cinnamon toast crunch. I don't know what that stuff is. It gets soggier faster. It just, it's not the real thing. I, I call it chasing mirages. You ever, you ever chased a mirage in your life? It's where we see something off in the distance in life. 
and then we spend all of our time, energy, and effort going after it only to finally get up to it and realize it wasn't what we thought it was and it didn't give us what we thought it was gonna give us. And I don't know about you, I'm done and I'm tired of chasing mirages. Man, I thought my career would do this. I thought the education, I thought this job would do this. But after all this time, energy, and effort, even after all the success that I've seen in pursuing this, I realize and I've discovered that I don't need a career, I need a calling. That God has a plan for my life and nothing else will ever compare or come close to being as fulfilling as God's plan and purpose for our lives. Do I need to say that for the people in the way, way back? Nothing will ever compete or compare or be as fulfilling as God's plan and purpose for our lives. And since discovering our purpose is one of our methods at the church to help us live a God-first life, we have a system to help each and every one of us start that journey of discovering our purpose. For example, if weekend services help us know God, and they do, and if small groups help us find freedom, and they do, and if having hundreds of dream teamers every single week serve in some way, shape, or form here at the church, if that helps make a difference, and it does, then the system that we have to help us go on the journey or at least start the process of discovering our purpose, our system is the connect track. It's three, it's why we talk about it all the time. It's the one thing like we talk about all the time. You probably get tired of hearing it, but it's, it's three Sundays. Think of it more as workshops where that we do two things in the connect track. We grab a hold of the vision so that we're all in unity about what we're trying to accomplish as a church, as the body of Christ. So we're gonna grab a hold of the vision and discover our purpose. That is the whole goal of the Connect Track. Three Sundays where we go on this journey of grabbing hold of the vision of the church, which I'm giving a lot of it to us uh, in the month of September throughout this series. We grab a hold of the vision, we discover our purpose. It's why we take a, a spiritual gifts test. We find out, man, how did God create you? What are some things that he placed inside of you? We, we do a personality test. Man, how are you wired? Are you, are you people-driven? Are you, are you task-driven? Are you an extrovert? Are you an introvert? Like, what, what are you, what, how is God wired you? What are you passionate about? Like, what gets you excited? What wakes you up in the morning? We, we like to say like this, how has God designed you? If you're taking notes, Write this down because we just believe God's design in me reveals God's destiny for me. Like when we look at how we're made, it points to what we're supposed to do. Let me say that again. When we look at how we were made, it points and directs us to what we're supposed to do with our lives. And our goal is to help each and every one of us discover what that would be. That, that we could point everyone in that direction to where we would come to this place where we would say, I was made for this. And if we're dissatisfied with where we're at in life, there's a chance that it's because we're pursuing something that we weren't made for. But we were all made for something. And so what the Connect Track is, is all about, it takes people on this journey of discovering their purpose. And one of my favorite stories that just happened a couple weeks ago was of this woman who went through the Connect Track she started, taking, she started taking the spiritual gifts test and finding out, man, what are some things that God placed inside of her? 
her personality test, how is she wired. And then she started talking about what she was passionate about doing. And she didn't know before, but as she started going on this discovery process, all of a sudden this thing just rose to the surface that she had a heart for women who were just hurting and broken and down and out. And it became evident that she became passionate and excited about joining the correctional ministry and going into CCNO, the Correctional Center of Northwest Ohio, and loving on women who are incarcerated. How awesome is that? But going into the Connect Track, I promise you she wasn't thinking jail ministry. That's God. I was made to go to jail. Like she wasn't thinking that. But as she went on this journey, she realized, man, I'm excited to go to jail. Said no one ever. But this woman did. And now she's excited because she's going, I was made for this, to bring hope to the hopeless, to be a light in the midst of darkness. I have purpose. I have meaning. God's wired me like this. She can't wait. She's excited because all of a sudden she's starting to discover her purpose. How many of that's what it's all about? That every single one of us would come to this place and go, I was made for this. And I believe when we just start this journey, things, there's things that God has placed inside each and every one of us that we don't even know is there. I promise you 20 years ago when I became a Christian, I did not think about being a pastor, number one, or preaching, number two wasn't even on my radar, but I've, as I've gone on this journey, God has brought some things out, out of me that I didn't even know was there. This is the journey that God wants each and every one of us to go on. So we're making a difference and saying, I was made for this. Amen. So for the rest of our time together, for the next 45 minutes, I want to take, I want to give us four ways that God reveals his purpose. These aren't the only ways, but I would say they're the primary ways that God reveals his purpose. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The first way that God reveals his purpose to us is number one, is a call from birth. In other words, from, from early on in our lives, man, we just had this sense that, that we were supposed to do this. A lot of people tell the story that, where they'll say, man, when I was young, I really felt like I was supposed to do this. And then for whatever reason, we didn't. Like life just happened and we got busy and we just went in another direction. Some of us might, might feel like, man, that was such a long time ago. And so much has happened in our lives since then that we're so far from that original thing that God was kind of calling us to do that we could never get back to it. But I want to remind us today that the Bible says that the call of God is irrevocable, that no matter how far we've gone, that God can still connect us to his plan and his purpose for our lives. And the best example of this in the Bible and in scripture is with the prophet Jeremiah. Let's take a look at Jeremiah chapter one, verses five through eight. God's speaking here and he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Which, by the way, this is one of the many scriptural reasons why we are pro-life here at Experience Church, and we're going to defend the unborn. That's important for us to know. It's not a clump of cells. It's a human life. I'm just saying. And God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And I think someone needs to hear this today, that God formed you, God knows you, God set you apart, and God's appointed you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. He knows you. He formed you. He set you apart. He appointed you. Verse 6 says, alas, 
sovereign Lord. Here's, here's Jeremiah's response. I do not know how to speak. I am too young. Anybody else ever talk themselves out of God's plan and purpose for their life? No way, God. No, no, no. I can't speak and I'm too young. There's no way that I could ever do what you're calling me to do. I don't have the skill set. I don't have the giftings. I, I cannot do it. Like we, we argue with God about what he's called and created us to do. How dumb is that? And yet we do it. Like, I know you created me. I know you know what you put inside of me better than I even do, but you're wrong on this one, God. No, no. And why would we argue with God about our purpose? Why would we argue with God about his plan for our lives, which brings fulfillment and contentment and meaning to our lives? Man, I never want to make the mistake of arguing with God what he's calling me to do. Verse seven, but I love God's response. How many know even in our stupidity, God still loves us and speaks to us and has a plan for us? And here Jeremiah said, I'm too young, I can't even speak. Verse seven says, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. Don't even speak that over your life. Don't even think it, don't even say it. Don't, even, don't, don't, don't tell me that you can't do it. Don't tell me that you're too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say, whatever I command you, do not be afraid of them for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. I think some of us have been running from God's plan for our lives for far too long. It kind of reminds me, I saw this um, interview a couple of weeks ago uh, from a guy named Scott Stapp. He was the, the lead singer of a band called Creed back in my day. Anybody remember the band Creed? That's because we're old people. That's because we're old. All the kids were like, Creed, never even heard of them. Well, for you youngins, just so you know, Creed was awesome, but... They had a few hit songs back in the day, this, this, this rock band. And, and if you remember them, a lot of people thought they were a Christian rock band uh, because the lead singer grew up in a Christian home and they had some Christian lyrics. Like, you know, one of the songs was, can you take me higher to a place where blind men see? And so they had a lot of like Christian lyrics within their, their music. A lot of their hit songs had Christian lyrics. And, and so this interview that Scott did uh, a few weeks ago, uh, he was talking about it and the interviewer was asking like, what, what was that all about? Like, were you guys a Christian band? He goes, we weren't. In fact, the other, other musicians in the band, they all came to me and go like, what's going on with this? We're not believers. We're not Christians. We didn't even sign up for this thing. And Scott was like, well, I didn't really sign up for this thing either, the pressure of being a Christian band and not living the life because there were so many, so many stories of them doing unchristian, ungodly things, um, being more rock stars than Christians. And, and so, but he talked about it because, but I grew up in a Christian home, so I couldn't not talk about truth. I, I, I had to write about it. I knew what truth was, even though I wasn't living it. And he said, I was miserable because I tried running from who God called me to be. Whew. Man, he had this calling from a young age, but he ran from it. He was miserable because he was running from who God called him to be. The, the second way that God reveals his purpose to us, if you're taking notes, is, is number two is there's this growing awareness. This is one that I definitely can identify with and relate to because after I surrendered my life to Jesus and I started kind of dealing with some of my issues, I started to become more and more aware of God's plan for my life. In fact, God for me had to slowly reveal his plan and his purpose to me because I wasn't ready 
nor was I mature enough to handle it all at once. Like if God told me I was gonna be a pastor when I first got saved, I would have ran like Jonah. Like, not me, bro. Not pick somebody else. I'm not down with that. But I think one of the, the greatest examples of this in scripture is with a guy by the name of Joseph. You could read about Joseph's story in the first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But if you're not familiar with it, Joseph is uh, the younger, youngest brother of, of many. I forget how many he had off the top of my head. Uh, but Joseph was a dreamer. And early on when he was young, God gave him two dreams. Uh, and one of the dreams was that his brothers, his older brothers, were, were going to bow down and worship him. And then the other dream that he had was the nations of the world were going to bow down and worship him. Well, Joseph wasn't the, the, the brightest crown in the case. So he went to his, his brothers and he told them about the dream. I, guys, God just told me, you're going to worship and bow down to me. I mean, the older brothers were not cool with that. And to make matters worse, Joseph's dad made him a coat of many colors uh, because Joseph was his dad's favorite. I mean, this did not help his relationship with his older brothers. And so they hated Joseph and they ended up selling him into slavery to get rid of him. He ends up in a house in Egypt where he has a little bit of success for a little while, but then he gets lied on and he ends up being falsely accused and finding himself in prison for most of his adult life. And even though Joseph is called by God, Everything that's happening in his life seems to be taking him farther and farther away from God. And I think many of us might have felt the same way with what we've experienced in our lives. But what we find out at the end of Joseph's story is that God used everything that looked like wrong turns to be redeemed for the plans and purposes of God to be revealed. And what looked like a setback in Joseph's life was actually a set up for God's plans and purposes to be revealed. And so some of us might have maybe messed up in our lives and we're carrying around some shame from our past and God wants to use our past to help someone else do the same thing. For example, it's like we have, it's why we have a jail campus because I spent time incarcerated and, I'm, and God delivered me and rescued me and freed me and I can look into a camera now and say, hey, if God did it for me, God can do it for you. And God took all my wrong turns and all my mistakes and all my mess ups to help somebody else work through the same thing. And if you fast forward to the end of Joseph's life, there is his brothers who sold him into slavery. And at this time, he's been released from prison and he's been elevated to the second most powerful man in the entire land of Egypt. And there's a famine in the land and, and people are needing food. And, and so his brothers find themselves before Joseph needing food from Egypt. And they don't recognize him because it's been decades since they've seen his, their, their brother. But when he reveals himself to his brothers, take a look at what he says. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. This verse is also known as the Joseph principle. It's a great verse for us to memorize and remember. Joseph says to his brothers, you intended to harm me. And I just want to, want to just challenge us. You put whatever it is in your life that you think derailed you and disqualified you from being used by God. Put whatever it is, whatever addiction, whatever habit, whatever mistake, whatever mess up, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for a good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. This is such a beautiful perspective. 
Because what Joseph is saying, in other words, I couldn't do what I'm doing now if I wouldn't have gone through those things back then. That God used it for his glory. And it's this growing awareness. I'm sure when he was in prison, I'm sure when he was in sold to slavery, he's like, this is not how the dream went. What are you doing, God? What is your plan and your purpose for my life? But as he kept going with Jesus and God, there's this growing awareness of the purposes of God in his life. And God wanted to use what, what he went through and what we've been through to save many lives. The third way God reveals his purpose to us is number three, is walking through open doors. In other words, God reveals his purpose for our lives when we take a step through an opportunity. It's important for us to know that we serve a God who opens doors no man can shut, and he shuts doors no man can open. And so when we see an opportunity, we're never going to know what's on the other side of it until we step through that open door. And one of the best examples of this in the Bible is with uh, Queen Esther. Esther, if you're not familiar with her story, she was adopted. She came from somewhat of a, a broken home. She was Jewish living in Babylonian, which was this pagan culture. She's not even a part of them, yet she's living in the midst of them. She's somewhat of a misfit, and this pagan king ends up getting into an argument with his wife, uh, the queen, and he fires her as his queen, and so then he goes to choose another queen. Pretty dysfunctional, just saying that's the Bible for you. And so he ends up having like this beauty pageant to choose a new queen, and he has mostly Babylonian uh, women there, but he allows a few Jewish women to be a part of this beauty pageant, and Esther's one of them. And he ends up choosing Esther to be his next queen because she was so beautiful. Well, at the same time that this is happening going down, there, there was a leader, there was a political leader in this king's cabinet whose sole mission in life was to eradicate and take out all the Jewish people. He wanted to kill and eradicate all the Jewish people. And so Esther gets chosen to be this next queen. And so her uncle Mordecai comes to her and says, hey, you've been chosen for such a time as this. You didn't get, God didn't allow you to be queen for you to live in the palace and live happily ever after again. You have an opportunity. You have an open door to save God's people. You have the king's ear. God has elevated you and given you this opportunity. Let's take a look at what he says to her in Esther chapter four, verses 14 through 16. He's, uh, the uncle Mordecai is speaking to Esther and he said, for if you remain silent at this time, if you don't walk through this open door, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. This is important. How I many know God wants to use you, but if you don't walk through that door, he'll use somebody else because God's plans and purposes will be fulfilled because he's in charge, he calls the shots, and he wants to use you, but if you don't walk through the door, he'll, walk, he'll use somebody else. That's what Mordecai is telling Esther in this moment, and, if, and relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish, and who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Take a look at how Queen Esther responds to this open door. She says, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. 
She could have lost her life. She wasn't, she wasn't supposed to go before the, the, the king, but she made up this mind that I'd rather, I would rather step through this open door than live the rest of my life wondering what if. I would rather be obedient to what God is calling me to do in this moment, even though I'm scared, even though I'm nervous, even though I don't know what it's gonna look. I'd rather walk through this open door and see what happens than live the rest of my life wondering, man, what if I would have went all in with God? What if I would have just pursued God and given him everything and experienced all that he had for me? And for some of us today, I'm just saying it's our time. There's an open door that God has put in front of us and we've wondered, man, what's on the other side of it and we're never going to know until we walk through it. Come on, somebody say it's time. It's time. Finally, and then number four, the fourth way God reveals his purposes to us is number four, is through a God encounter. Anybody just had an encounter with God where he just wrecked you? Where it became more than a story? Like you encountered his presence. God spoke to your heart. I think one of the best examples of this in the Bible is with the Apostle Paul. Let's take a look at his story. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 6 as we close today. It says, meanwhile, Saul, which was his name before he got saved, before God changed his life. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He was, he was hunting down and persecuting Christians. He even went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And so he's persecuting God's people. And as he neared Damascus on his journey one day, suddenly, everybody say suddenly, suddenly out of nowhere, a light from heaven flashed around him. This is what I'm believing for God to do right now in this place. That some of us would have a suddenly God encounter. A moment where God just speaks to us. A moment where his presence becomes real. A moment where, where we realize it's more than a story. A moment where God says it's time to no longer continue down the road we're going. Because God has a better plan and purpose for our lives. And Saul fell to the ground, the Bible says, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul asked, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Isn't it interesting in this, in this exchange with Jesus how God didn't condemn Paul for what he was doing, but instead he called him to a new way of life. Isn't that powerful that when God comes to us in our sin, when God comes to us in our confusion, when God comes to us in our mess, he doesn't condemn us, but he calls us to a new way of life. And some of us might feel like, man, there's just no way God could use me after what I've done or where I've been. But as we look at this encounter with Saul slash Paul, out of all the people God picked, he called a man who was persecuting Christians. And God replied to him, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Listen, there's a, there's a get up and go moment for each and every one of us too. Like it doesn't matter what our past says, God is saying it's time. It's time to do what I told you to do. I don't know about you, man, this is my story. That I knew about God. I knew God with my head, but I didn't know him in my heart. And all the, the years of addiction and incarceration and looking for purpose, meaning, and fulfillment in all the wrong places. I had this encounter with God 
where God said, it's time. You know, you know where this path is gonna take you. It's gonna take you back to places. It's gonna cause you to chase more mirages. It's not gonna give you what you're looking for. It's time to, to be who, you've call, who I've called you to be. It's time for you to surrender to my plan for your life. And it was in this moment, I just had this encounter with God where my life was forever changed. Maybe some of us have had that. Maybe some of us need that moment with God. Maybe some of us have been resisting God for far too long. God's been opening doors. He, he, he's spoke to us when we were young. He's, he's put people in our lives and I'm praying that we would have an encounter with him right now because God created you on purpose and for a purpose. So my question is, what's our next step today? Even in this journey to live a God first life, is it to know God? Maybe we know about him, but we don't know him in our hearts. We don't have a relationship with God. Or maybe, maybe it's to find freedom. We still got to deal with something. We need a healing. We need deliverance. We got some stuff, man. How I many of we all got issues? We all got stuff. Maybe we need to jump into a small group today. Get around. I talked to a guy yesterday, man. He's like, thinking about jumping in. I've never been in a small group before. I know I, know I need to. Come on, let's go. It's time. If that's you, it's time. Come on, get around some brothers. Get around the brotherhood. Iron sharpening iron, man. We, we make each other better. You need some freedom in your life. Come on, come on, let's go. Jump into a small group. Maybe it's discovering your purpose. Maybe you're like, man, I just know there's more to this life than what I'm living. Maybe you need to go through a connect track. Or maybe there's an open door. Maybe there's something God called you when you were young. Maybe there's an encounter he wants you to have with him so that we can make a difference. This is the journey. Amen? Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for your plan and your purpose for our lives. We thank you that no matter where we've been or what we've done, you still believe in us. You still pursue us. And you still have a beautiful life we never thought possible. And right now, right where you're at, with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're watching online. Could you just pray this prayer with me? Right where you're at, say, say Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to the message today? And the reason why we pray this prayer is because we don't want to just be hearers of God's word, we want to be doers. What's my next step? Maybe your next step today is to know God. To say, here's my life, God, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. Not just attend a, a religious service, not just to sing a couple songs. I want to know you in my heart. I want to have a relationship with you. And that starts with a surrender. Here's my life. I want to live for you. I want to know you. I want to honor you. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're watching online. If that's you, if that's your next step to know God, to have a relationship with him, would you lift your hand to heaven and say, here I am. I want to know him. Not just know about him. Not just attend a religious service. I want to have a relationship with Jesus. To experience his presence in my life. To know his love to experience his forgiveness and freedom that only he can bring on the inside of my heart, that it's more than just a religion. I wanna have a relationship with Jesus. Hands up all over this place. Come on, keep it up high. And right where you're at, would you just pray this with me? Say, God, thank you. Thank you for loving me right where I'm at and loving me enough not to let me stay there. Thank you that you have a plan for me. Thank you that you believe in me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. God, right now in this place, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin, God. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live my life 
is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, let's give God some praise for all He did today. So good.